This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on the morning of Thursday, August 11th. We are a mere hours away from the Field of Dreams game between the Cubs and the Reds. Cody, Luke, and Ryan, who is going to be in Iowa, will have the special pregame show for you at 5.30, so don't miss that. But before that, Brendan, we have a series with the Nationals to discuss. And it is another series victory. So the Cubs go 4-2 and two on this homestand. They win both series, and they are coming into Iowa red hot, Brendan. Look at that. You know, they're only, what, 15 games back of the division, Corey? So just keep winning more games, and you never know where they're going to be in three weeks. Is this like one of those gimmick things? Like if they win this game in the mm-hmm. cornfield tonight, is it worth like 10 wins? I, or, think, it or should, no? I think it should be, right? Corey. This yeah, is my let's opinion. get a little like XFL on this, yeah, like why just not? gimmick gimmick the hell out of it. Make it right? interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll run that by Theo in the commissioner's office. <laughs> but um, this was a, a nice series, Brendan. We've, we've got a bunch to talk about since you and I last spoke. Uh, the Cubs have laid out a pretty specific plan for Jason Hayward. Uh, I know, you know, it's been talked about on the CHGO Cubs live shows on YouTube, uh, but that is is certainly news. Frank Schwindel has been optioned down. Fran Mil Reyes has joined the fold. Mm-hmm. So plenty going on here, and that'll continue as as the Cubs will likely make some more roster moves going forward here. Um, but just you know, before we jump into this series with the Nationals, you tweeted something on Wednesday that I thought was. It, it 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 definitely something I'm looking forward to in this Field of Dreams game, and that is that we have never, at least to my recollection, uh, we have never had Pat Hughes on the radio painting us a picture of a baseball game going on in the middle of a cornfield on a historic movie site. Look at that. Imagine the sun setting, Pat describing it. You got the corn in the back scene. I mean, it's going to be a beautiful setting. They should put Pat's voice and remaster the movie of Pat describing the scene. That's what they should do. I'm into that. But yeah, like that, that is one of the things I'm particularly looking forward to. The broadcast was a lot of fun last year. The, The quality of the game was also really good. Not only was it two good teams at the time, the Sox and the Yankees, uh, but the game was incredible. Uh, with both teams, I think, hitting homers off the other's closer, you know, late-inning relievers, and mm-hmm. Tim Anderson walking it off. That was fun. Uh, so I I don't know if the Cubs and Reds are going to be able to match that. I don't know if a battle for last place in the NL Central really, like, you know, hits that same note. But uh, it was a very nice scene. It was a cool presentation on the broadcast last year, and I am all for getting some kind of new perspective on Pat Hughes, right? Like, it's a historic, really interesting scene, uh, this game, and mm-hmm. that is, uh, it, you, it's like it's like playing t-ball, I think, for Pat. It, it is set up on a tee for him to just hit an absolute home run of a radio broadcast. And he has those uniforms, the throwbacks he gets to oh, describe. Yeah. Look at that, man. He Presented the, by Benjamin Moore. I know. Yes. He got the navy blue hats, the old school logo. It's going to be beautiful. Yes, absolutely. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, that aside, uh, we can get into the Cubs and Nationals. We'll run through these games real quick uh, and set the table here. On Monday, it was a 6-3 win for the Cubs. Keegan Thompson picks up his ninth win of the year. Six innings, five hits, one earned, no walks, three strikeouts. Uh, A good bit of hard contact, but, you know, sometimes that's the way it goes, and you get it to find a glove. Limited the hits, limited the runs. Uh, He does give up one homer, but that is the lone run. So you'll take that all day, especially without putting any free base runners on. 3.36 ERA for Mm. Keegan Thompson on the year. Michael Rucker had a nice inning of work here. We'll talk about him a little bit. He had a nice series. Rowan Wick uh, picks up his fifth save in an inning of work, gives up just one hit, no walks, two strikeouts. He has been really good lately, so we're going to dive into him a little bit. Uh, It's been a nice stretch for Rowan Wick. 
The Cubs getting their runs on Monday via a Nelson Velasquez home run, his sixth, Christopher Morell home run, his tenth, Nico Horner with an RBI single, Wilson Contreras with an RBI single, and Seiya Suzuki an RBI sack fly. On Tuesday, it was the Cubs' lone loss in the series, 6-5. to five. The Cubs put up a four-run seventh inning on the strength of seven singles in the frame, uh, but they would immediately relinquish that lead in the top of the eighth, as Brendan and anyone who's been listening to he and I for any period of time know, my least favorite thing in the game of baseball is when uh, the Cubs come back cut a lead, take a lead, some sort of big inning, and the pitching gives it right back as quickly as they possibly can. So uh, this was a start from Marcus Stroman. He was okay, I think is fair to say. Five innings, five hits, four runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Uh, The runs all coming on two home runs from Ruiz on the Nationals. Uh, Other than that, he was pretty good, but all told, uh, just, you know, sort of an okay day, I think, for Marcus Stroman. Uh, Mark Leiter Jr. does take the loss, which is typical, Brendan. We talked about how he had been better as a reliever, and yeah, sorry, everybody. Yep, happens. Um, I should note, just a little factoid, Marcus Stroman, uh, you'd probably like it to be better, but it's funny at the moment. Uh, His ERA right now, Brendan, 420. Look at that. Look at that. Pretty there high. Go. Pretty high. Too high, maybe. Probably higher than you'd like. Higher than you'd like, correct. Higher yeah. than you'd like. Yeah. Um, the Cubs got their runs on Tuesday. Uh, in the second, Seiya Suzuki hit his ninth home run of the year. And then in the seventh, it's a bunch of RBI singles, one from Rafael Ortega, one from Wilson Contreras, one from Fran Mil Reyes, and one from Nico Horner. Nico Horner was not done with the offense no, he was in not. this series. Mm. On Wednesday, the Cubs picking up the rubber match win and the series win on the strength of another really good start from Justin Steele. Six innings, eight hits, two runs, no walks, and nine strikeouts. He gives up one home run. His ERA sits at 3.63. Another strong inning of work and clean inning for Michael Rucker in relief there. He picks up his first win of the year, actually. Brandon Hughes with a solid two-thirds innings of work, a strikeout, and a walk. And then Rowan Wick picks up another save, an inning and a third of work, just one hit, no walks, and two strikeouts. The Cubs getting their runs on Wednesday via a Nico Horner home run. Brendan, seventh of the year. Nick Madrigal with an RBI single, Rafael Ortega a sack fly, and Ian Happ an RBI single. So that is all that she wrote. Uh, One thing I want to note is uh, I think you and I could talk about Rafael Ortega and why he's still leading off uh, in all of these games and playing every day and yada yada. On Tuesday night, I did the post game with Luke Stuckmeyer, which was a, a real you know, pleasure for me, by the way. Um, But we talked about that kind of at length. So if you go to the podcast feed, the episode on Tuesday, or the YouTube channel, uh, and watch that live, we kind of talked about that at length. So I don't want to delve too much into that. Uh, Again, uh, the long story short is he let off three games in this series. And that doesn't make a lot of sense at this point, right? Um, But to start, Brendan, you and I have talked about Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson a ton. So we don't have to get too much into like what they're doing and how they're doing it because I think you've broken that down pretty succinctly for everybody a lot. I I do, I always am going to pause to note though, like the Cubs won two games in this series and both of them were from quality starts from pitchers they developed, came up through their system, their guys, both of them have an ERA that is 3.6 or lower that's really cool. It's really cool. And two of those guys, Steele and Thompson, they're doing this while also adapting. Keegan throwing more pitch types, Justin Steele causing and inducing more whiffs. So they're having success because of legitimate reasons and not fluky reasons. It has been pretty much uh, one of the top developments we were watching in the preseason. It just you feels know, not good, even, Corey, right? Yeah, like it's not even while. knowing, like, are they going to be starters the whole time? Are they going to relieve a little bit? Like, what exactly is their plan here? And 
they have been starting. You know, yeah. Keegan did a little bit of both, uh, yeah. but they they got this opportunity, and boy, like. You know, you've still got a, a little while in this season left, but these are two of your members well, of the 2023 rotation. Think, I don't think there's any question about that. Think about what we were talking about in late April, May with Keegan Thompson. Like you and I said, we would like to see Keegan remain in the bullpen, right? Because that multi-inning role was so valuable. Even David Ross said that when he made the move to right. put Keegan in the rotation. He's going to miss that multi-inning role. The The conversation by Keegan has changed so much. The advance of multiple pitch types, the demeanor. I don't think even his manager expected this, Corey. Yeah, and it will, and that's also such a a testament to the work that Keegan has done that we not that we didn't think he could succeed as a starter, but he was so good in that relief role that we were almost scared to lose it. And he's like, Yeah, no, I'm just gonna go be really good in the other role too. Like whatever role you put me in, I'm just gonna be really good. Like that's a, a real testament to him and the work that he's put in. Um so staying on those two guys, one one question that, you know, maybe we haven't talked too much about with Justin Steele is the the, the strikeouts a really lot, ticking a up lot of in these last couple starts. Now, he struck out nine guys on July 4th against the Brewers, eight guys on the 23rd of June against Pittsburgh, and then he had those two starts back-to-back against the Arizona Diamondbacks in May where he struck out 19 guys combined in those two starts. That's what he did in his last two starts, here against the Nationals uh, in this series, and then uh, the 10 strikeouts against the Marlins on August 5th. So my question is, he w- firstly, impressive in this National Series that he was able to go six innings, right? I think it was 94 pitches, so he was pretty efficient for striking out nine guys. But I'm curious, wh- where where is this increased strikeout number coming from because the other mm-hmm. thing that he has done in these last uh three starts for Justin Steele one of the other things we've been monitoring since the beginning of the year one walk against the Giants one walk against the Marlins no walks here against the Nationals so he's going a little deeper into some of these games but but what what is driving this strikeout rate in these last couple starts so there's a lot of factors going on, but I, I think generally you can take a step back and see two obvious changes recently. The first change is that he's going up in the zone with this fastball more often than what we saw back in June when John Lester was rumored to have talked with David Ross about nudging Steele to go down and in to right-handed batters. That, at the time, allowed Steele to limit the hard contact, which was great. He actually started to have more success as that happened. Recently, though, he started to go up and away with his fastball with precision. The command has been really good throwing those fastballs up in the zone. And even today, when he had those uh, multiple strikeouts and he had 10 whiffs with his fastball, he still threw it down into right-handed batters, but he still also went up uh, on top of the zone way more often than, than he was previously in the past six to eight weeks here. So that's the first change, up in the zone. The second change that might be associating with that elevated location is, is his spin rate. So early on in April and May, he was spinning fastballs around 2,300 rotations per minute. And then right now in the past what is this, four or five stars? He's around 2,600 RPMs or rotations per minute. So that's a pretty noticeable increase. And that is one of the predictive factors for generating whiffs with your fastball. Also, too, the commands, the ability to go up in the zone, the elevated recent spin rate, this may be kind of the accumulation of all of his effort over the last year. There was a great... Uh, article posted on on uh, Bleacher Nation by a friend of the podcast, uh, Brian Smith, noting that Justin Steele has been working to change his four-seamer from last season. And the change that they made was making this four-seam more like a cutter. And it has rising cutting action. Kind of unique. It likely won't be predictive for whiffs because those types of pitches are so rare, so it's hard to predict the efficiency of those pitches. But at least right now, it appears as if Steele is really finally 
dialing in on his fastball. And so spin rate, location, up in the zone, and, and confidence, Corey. He's, he's starting every fifth day. He's feeling himself. Yeah, love the work uh, from him and Keegan. It's it's very exciting, and uh, you know, as we talked about a lot, like you continue to kind of go into next year and believe that there's another level there to kind of kick things into another gear for these guys. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, I, I mean, we might as well just talk about Nico, right? I mean, like, I was waiting. Do, for do it. you want to talk about Nico Horner a little I bit? I want to talk about Nico Horner. We Corey. could. Thanks, thanks for asking. To. Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, so, you know, another nice series for Nico, one yep. for three with an RBI and a walk on Monday, two for five with an RBI in the game on Tuesday, and then in the finale on Wednesday, Nico goes two for four with an RBI, uh, that coming on his seventh home run of the year. He's got a 111 WRC plus right now, mm-hmm. uh, a 331 weighted on base average. Yep. He's got a straight up 300 batting average, which you know if that's still your jam as a statistic, I like batting that's, average. It's that's fun to th- see. that's the magic number, right? Yeah. He's at 300. You know, for a contact guy, that's that's what you're looking for. Yep. Uh, as of me speaking this right now, he is a flat three win player, Look and we are not even in the middle of August yet. Oh, man, Corey, look at this. We have a starting shortstop who's worth three war, not even halfway through August, as you said. Now, if you look at the projections, he's projected at this point to hit 10 home runs this season, Corey, 10 home runs. This exceeds many people's expectations. I know it exceeds our expectations, and this is a testament to his hard work. And he's doing this all while being the best defensive shortstop in the league. So they have a lot of decisions to make in the offseason, how to improve the team. There's a lot of quality shortstops on the market. I'm fine going out and getting a quality shortstop. Uh, of course, Nico's going to be playing at like almost every day, presumably a second base. But the intention is, if you sign one of these shortstops, uh, over time, they're going to age faster than Nico, given they're older already. Nico should be a shortstop for this team long-term, even if they go out and sign a shortstop like Xander Bogarts. I think that's the ultimate goal, and we're getting to a point now, given some of the sample sizes, hopefully the continued success, where, as I said earlier in this month and even last month, I want to get to a point when we're talking about Nico's extension in a serious way because he has multiple team control years left uh arbitration coming up but let's lock him up this is the type of attitude the hard worker the the leader and the profile they've been searching for for years Corey. so this to me makes so much sense and again i want to see him finish the full year it's not saying oh extend nico right now finish the full year hopefully we're having this conversation in seven eight weeks you wouldn't have thought he would hit double digit no. home runs would no, you man no. and he hasn't yet but he's he's close no i mean to be fair going into the year nico was so unpredictable right he never played consistent shortstop we were always assuming that the increased arm strength from last season that we saw would carry over but we didn't know and he didn't hit a home run for like three years going into this season so how can you confidently project nico to be good and he's been injured as well unfortunately not because of his own fault but because of some fluke things so of course not you could not have projected nico to do this well yeah, it's uh, it's been a pleasure to watch, and interesting to see how he's kind of moved around the order as well. Uh, you know, lately Ross has had yeah. him kind of in that middle back end portion of the order. We've seen him at the top at times. Um, Long term, like looking at the way this bat is, like where do you see him? If we're envisioning a, a really good Cubs team, a really good offense, what what type of position in the order do you see that bat playing as? Yeah, I mean, the thinking is he would be an above average bat, maybe a WRC plus around league average to 105 at his peak, I mean, you know, plus 110. It depends what they do with the rest of the roster. I think if they go out and improve this, the, the team substantially offensively, uh, you know, it's possible he falls out of the top five of the order, which is fine. Um, now, if they go out and they make marginal improvements, depends on what they want out of the the leadoff spot but if he can hit for high average like plus 300 and continue to improve some of that plate discipline he could bat leadoff as well and that might 
allow Ross to do things uh, on the base pass on that nine spot in the order, more hit and run, depending on how they work that out. Okay, quick break here from our sponsor, PointsBet, the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content and... You'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. See an edge in the game you're watching is your favorite team prime for a comeback. Don't just watch that game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the action all game long. Download the PointsBet app right now and use code CHGO. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Our second sponsor here is a product I've been using consistently recently, uh, almost daily. This is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to get a good start to my day, something that starts my day with complete nutrition. And I said this, I keep saying it, but I don't want to have a big meal, like a big breakfast in the morning. So I've been taking AG1. Now I've been on it for two months and I love it. I like the way it tastes. It's not that like super healthy, like Flintstone vitamin type chalky citrusy taste. It actually tastes pretty good and it is kind of citrusy, which which I enjoy. So what is this stuff? It's just one scoop of AG1 and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of these things. I get a noticeable boost of energy throughout my day as I take this first thing in the morning. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, gluten-free, or dairy-free, you are all good to go with AG1. When you do so, you're investing in the all-in-one nutritional insurance for less than $3 a day. It's recommended by professional athletes and has more than 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and your and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CHGO Cubs. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash slash CHGO Cubs to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Brennan. So I, I mean, I, I suppose we could talk about Nico for the rest of the podcast. I thought we I, were. I, I think, no, that wasn't no. in the, the rundown. I thought, that's that what we I thought we agreed about. to. Okay, that's fine. Next I, week. I think I missed that. Um, yeah. But next week, um, <laughs> I, I do want to touch on Nick Madrigal a little bit. Um, he had a nice series. He only he, he only plays in two of the three games here. He doesn't play in the game on Tuesday with Christopher Morrell playing second base. Uh, but in the game on Monday, he goes 0 for 1 with two walks, which is interesting because he's, you know, coming into the year, not someone who walked very much. And then in the game on Wednesday, he goes 2 for 3 with an RBI, uh, one of those hits being a double. So, you know, it's only a couple games, right? Uh, but in you kind of uh see in this series a little bit more of the version of him i think that you were expecting right yeah i would think so i mean in his career he's a 292 hitter batting average it's not bad his isolated power his ability to slug is in the bottom second percentile of the league and that's going to hurt him 
but he's one of those guys that has a Nico-esque profile. Nico at this point is likely going to slug for way more power. So Nico has moved upon that. But the thinking Nico going in- right now feels like, correct me if I'm wrong, he feels like the sort of peak version of Oh my God! Yes. What you could even hope for from yeah. Madrigal, if you could even hope that. Yeah, right? I, I would say that. But that, just from that kind fair. of contacty profile. Contacty profile. So Nico has a ninety-one percent contact rate. Nick Madrigal's career contact rate, Corey, ninety-one percent. So they're very, very, very similar. Madrigal may have slightly better plate discipline in terms of his chase rate, but that's negligible when you compare him to, to, to Nico. So. You know, the thinking is if Madrigal can hit for a high average, he can be an above average hitter, Corey, even like last year. I'm not defending like Madrigal, right? But just throwing it out there. Last year, 215 plate appearances. He had a 335 Woba. That was a 113 plus WRC plus. A 215 plate appearance sample is not small. He's a career uh, 95 WRC plus guy, despite this year being a 51 WRC plus guy. So, you know, he has that unique bat-the-ball skill. He has a 70 out of 80 hit tool by several scouts, right? So I understand the process. It's not to say I want the process to continue. You see how this team needs to improve. And one of the re- one of the areas is in the infield, and one of the areas is at second base. And you do that through signing a shortstop or getting a different second baseman and keeping Nico at shortstop, right? So it's going to be kind of hard to see where magical fits in uh and he needs to hit really well here in the last seven weeks right. in order to substantially change the outlook for this team yeah it, it is an interesting case and i think you know obviously him coming back uh from injury and you know struggling when he was up earlier in the year it's not surprising that ross has uh used him in this series especially you know towards the bottom of the lineup and you know even if he were able to really get going I think you know having a a contact heavy bat toward the bottom of the lineup um, when you have some other guys that can make good contact already hitting up in the front of the lineup I I think that's fine Uh, but it is a good point that you bring up like it's going to be an interesting thing to follow because Nick is not the best defender um He's, he's like maybe what average at best. It's, it's even right? hard to tell, right? Because the sample is so small, and he can he can only yeah. feasibly play second base. He's not right. Flexible. Like I don't I don't think he's awful, but he I would definitely not call him a good defender. Right. Um. You just got McKinstry too, so you have more competition. Right. But but even looking at next year, right? Like even if they. If they do play in that big pool of those, you know, middle infield free agents, like where does Nick fit in there, you know, because you're likely you have even some candidates uh, on this team already. And especially, you know, if you made some changes in the offseason or give some younger guys some opportunities, like DH is not a spot where you want a soft hitting contact guy. Especially if you want to keep Wilson in this team on this team right that and we DH don't know spot. if they do but if they yeah. do right and the price is there that might be a, a realistic possibility right so it, it is it's an interesting situation um you know now at the same time madrigal is not a guy that is you know on some massive pricey contract um you know he still has options so he's got that flexibility he's you know not even arbitration eligible until 2024 so you know having him around as a a depth guy if that's where it gets to I, I guess the reason we're talking about this is that it you know right now he really has to hit to justify that that second base spot Right, and even and then, is it, is it an, is it enough? He has to go on. That's the question. Right? He has to like go in, on in a Ian hypothetical sense. In a hypothetical sense, let's say the Cubs really are gonna, like Ken Rosenthal said, they're gonna play in that big pool. If you have the opportunity to move Nico to second base for a year or two, because Carlos Correa wants to play shortstop, and then eventually he'll move to third. Nico's back at short yeah. from the duration of that contract you're going to do that. And whatever happens to Nick Madrigal happens to Nick Madrigal, right? Like who cares at that point? Um, the other thing, and this actually goes back to Keegan and, and Steele. One of the things uh, I, I saw floating around uh, 
Twitter today. I think it got posted by the Behind the Yellow Line podcast, which is co-hosted by friend of the podcast, Randall J. Sanders on the Twitter. follow, by the way. Yes. Uh, and they had pointed out that I think Keegan and Justin were the recipients of one of the lower outs against average from their defense behind them just Mm -hmm. in their particular starts they've gotten bad defense behind them is basically the you know the long story short of the statistic um the the 2016 Chicago Cubs who won the World Series won the World Series yeah did so with one of if not the best rated defense of all time right that's not what we've seen from this team on the whole this year, when they go and make changes in this offseason, if you are going to spend big time money, you're going to start graduating these prospects, their jet is going to put together a good defense. I, I would bet a lot of money on that. So where does Nick Madrigal fit into that? These are all questions to kind of ask. But, you know, you do want to see him get going because, uh, again, arbitration eligible in 2024, still has options. And we saw throughout that last Cubs era and that run, there were a lot of times where they desperately needed guys who could just make contact and hit for a high average, and they could not produce those guys. So if Nick Madrigal can be that guy, even in the long term, and even if the numbers don't jump off the page, and even if he's not your starting second baseman of the future, there's there's still value in there if you can get it right. Brendan, I, I do wonder, though, like, should he be talking to Nico where Nico found this seven home run power, should he be talking to Nico about how to yes. also get that power? Is it athletic greens? I, I don't it might, know. It might be. It is, might be. Is it Owen? You never know. I think I think Magical needs to just spend the offseason with Nico. Do exactly what Nico's doing. Same breakfast, same lunch, same dinner, same routine. That's the way to do it. That's the way. You know, but it was nice to see. Good to see that he's taking walks. You know, that's that's something at any time a player can integrate that into their game. That's good. And I think it also is a good counterbalance to why he was struggling in this first portion with the Cubs. He was making a ton of contact, but a lot of it was on not good pitches and the contact was not good, right? Which usually means you're not swinging at the best pitches sometimes, but making contact anyway. So take those walks and then hopefully you have more games like Wednesday where you get an extra base hit, you have an RBI, like things look a little better that way. Um, I do want to talk about Rowan Wick, Brendan. Um, He has been a lot better lately. He's got six saves now. He is obviously the guy that the Cubs have chosen to get that first crack uh, at the highest of leverage innings after they traded the entirety of their back end of the bullpen. Um, And, you know, I know a lot of people have been you know, wavering in their kind of frustration with Rowan uh, just because he did not have a good beginning of the year, um, was sort of up and down in, in performance last year as well. Um, but, you know, he he's another guy where he's arbitration eligible next year. He still has an MLA, uh, a minor league option, and he's not a free agent until 2026. So as you're building this team going forward, like Rowan should likely be a part of that unless you decide to non-tender him uh, no, you know, not tender in the contract. Uh, but as we always kind of say, like if you're wondering what the budget is and who they're going to spend on this, that, and the other, like the more of those pieces you can uh, find in that way, the better. So it's good to see him trending in the right direction. Yeah, the stuff has always been there for Rowan. Even some of the ability to throw towards the edges of the plate has been there this season as well. It's just been too hit or miss. When he misses, it's like, dead center and when he's on he's on the edges so because of his ability to have thrown towards the edges at an above league average rate with an above league average spike curveball and an above average four seam rising fastball my thinking was there is a good chance he can turn things around uh it's not always the case for a lot of guys sometimes they just for whatever reason can't get that command consistent and the missing is just too much dead center wick has figured it out that has been an improvement over the last 11 innings now and you're seeing the benefits of having good stuff a benefit of having a rising four seam and a benefit of having a great spike curveball and his ability his template for success i think 
could be extended towards other guys as well, even like Curvin Castro, who used to be a catcher as well, kind of like Rowan Wick, who has an over-the-top release point, has a spike curveball. Tommy Hadovy has had success with those two pitch types, of course. It's encouraging. It's not surprising at all. I know like Wick got a lot of heat over the course of the season. I think it's fair, too. Uh, the expectations were high. The bullpen... Going into the year, although we do trust the bullpen, you just never know with some of these older signings. Wick didn't perform up to standards, and now he's doing it, and now he's going to get those higher leverage possibilities. And I think because of that, I, I think like the adrenaline might be a little bit higher. I think the urgency, your mindset's naturally going to change when you're in that ninth inning spot. I think we could go into the offseason feeling pretty good about Wick. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, you know, if you can go into the offseason, they're obviously going to audition a ton of these guys in the bullpen going forward here and, you know, in September especially. But if you can go into the offseason having a good idea of who some of those key players are, and then you let the front office and this pitching infrastructure do the same thing they've done for the last few seasons, right? You go out and identify uh, some of those free agents that are available, some guys that you maybe want to see if you can tinker with and bring back. And I, I'm at this point, I I think it's just an annual tradition, Brendan, that I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing what 34 plus year old reliever the Cubs decide to bring in and get him to produce a you know 2.5 ERA season, right? I know we should be looking at the free agent list right now and trying to figure out who that is. I'm sure there's who, a plethora of them. Who is the oldest yeah. and like <laughs> Let's go. least least suspecting uh, reliever yeah. the Cubs could bring in, and then they're going to trade in only well, thirty six plus year olds. Again. Yeah, hopefully that's it, Corey. Hopefully never right. never again for the next at least decade. That's, that's how you know we have been treated poorly the last <laughs> few years. My instinct was to say who we're going to trade not him for. Thinking about it was oh let's who which relievers are we going to get to flip at the deadline? Like my brain yeah. is broken. You did not even skip a beat. That's the, that's the first and without even thinking about it, that's the first direction you went. I'm sorry, Corey. I had to, to like catch myself. Wait I a know. minute. Well, so did I. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, whoa, this is not right. Wait a oh, minute. Yeah. No, that's not what they just do every year. Oh, um, man. Can we stop doing this though, man? Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. well, the Cubs are really good at it, but yeah, they should stop doing it. Yeah, I um, think so. Bringing those relievers to like pitch in the playoffs for you and win a division for you. That would be nice. Um, another guy, and I, I know you mentioned, uh, but he did have a nice series, uh, was Michael Rucker. You know, not a, a particular, particularly exciting uh, set of numbers, perhaps, uh, for the 28-year-old Michael Rucker, uh, but it was a nice series. And, you know, as we're auditioning these guys, uh, it's always worth sort of checking in with where these guys are at. He's got a 4.25 ERA, uh, but a slightly better 3.79 FIP, uh, 7.9 K per nine, 3.34 walk per nine. Again, you know, nothing jumping off the page, but, uh, you know, anything you've seen from Rucker, do you think mm-hmm. he's one of those guys who maybe fits into that spot or is he just yeah. kind of one of those middle relief uh, depth pieces? Well, I think he's a middle relief depth piece, but he's, he's, he's showing the ability recently to have good command. The walk rate is 3.3 batters per nine innings in 2021 last year in AAA, where he spent the majority of the season. Uh, he had a walk rate of two batters per nine innings. That's exceptional. That's gone up at the big league level. Better hitters. The, the pressure is on. Maybe now that's going to start going down. That's kind of why he's had success recently. If you look at, again, similar to what we talked about with Wick, his ability to throw towards the edges, he has five pitch types, which is already unique for a reliever. He has five pitch types that rate above average by about 15% greater than league average at throwing towards the edges, five pitch types. So if that command continues, he could be that middle relief guy. And like Wick, he's cheap. He's under team control for many years. And that has value when, especially when you see other teams going out and giving up decent prospects for guys the Cubs signed later in their career to to kind of have those six seventh inning roles yeah I think that's fair and uh you know, yeah, that's that's going to be in addition to the position player kind of roster crunch uh you know seeing how they continue to use some of these guys uh Eric Yolman had a nice two innings in the game on like Tuesday him. he's good 
gave up just one hit, no runs, one walk, no strikeouts, 3.52 ERA, but obviously that's a, a pretty small sample. And then, of course, we talked about uh, how we cursed Mark Leiter Jr. Um, you did, not me, you. Was that me? That was you. I'll take responsibility for that. Yeah, that was your fault. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and that's that's what this is all for, right? Like, Leiter struggled uh, as a starter, obviously, even though he was kind of thrown into some pretty not great circumstances, making a bunch of spot starts and, you know, things like that. Uh, but he had been pretty solid as as a reliever in those 31 and a third innings, of course, until I mentioned that, and then he ruined the game on Tuesday. So sorry, everybody. Uh, that's what happens. Uh, I I texted Cody today, actually, that uh, all Nick Madrigal needed to get going in this national series was for me four days ago to say that I just don't see him succeeding as a hitter. <laughs> and there he goes. He has his best series of the year. So you're welcome, Nick Madrigal. Uh, anybody else, anybody wants me to, you know, talk, talk badly about or things like that, um, I'm happy to do it. Um, so... Yeah, and then, uh, you know, we continue to watch, like, but th- those are the guys who pitched in this series. Brandon Hughes, I mentioned as well, pitched twice in this series, uh, an inning of work. He did give up two runs in the game on Monday, uh, but two-thirds of an inning, no hits and no runs in the game on Wednesday. So, you know, again, like, he's getting his his shot here, and there's going to be some ups and downs, but you're, you're hoping that some of these guys stick, and I think we're going to continue to see m- some more of these arms coming up. Uh, there's some guys, especially in Iowa, Brendan, that I think are, are definitely knocking on the door and worthy of an opportunity. So oh, yeah. there's likely to be some shuffling here. Yeah, and, and that's going to be in the context of like the 40-man crunch as well. So the fact that Rowan Wick is having success, that Rucker is having success, it may give guys currently at AAA more time to develop their pitches because you don't have to stress about Wick or Yulman or Rucker struggling and limiting their exposure and all that. So it's important not just for those big league guys to continue to do well, but it has effects on the younger guys, or not even younger, I guess, probably around the same age, in AAA who continue to need to develop. So it's it's good to see. I, I do want to see some guys get called up, though. I mean, uh, we've heard about some of these names for a while now. One of them is like Jeremiah Estrada, who's kind of just going through the system pretty fast. That's some interesting stuff. I think by this time... Hopefully, next year, we'll be talking about a bullpen that is mostly driven by a younger group than what we've seen, and there's a lot to be excited about. Another break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more, first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. And in case you did miss it, you can sign up in Illinois. It's now available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app and register your account from start to finish from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. One thing to update about uh, from Wednesday night, Wade Miley did make another rehab start Mm. for the Iowa Cubs, and he pitched four and two-thirds innings, four hits, two earned runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. He did all of that on 66 pitches. Uh, You know, really the importance there, Brennan, Miley is 35, and obviously this season hasn't gone as you would have hoped for the Cubs. He's a free agent in the 2023 season. Uh, But you're going to need guys to pitch these innings, as we've discussed. Not exactly sure if we see Thompson and Steele pitch every fifth day, you know, up until the exact end of this season. Uh, and I suppose we can talk about this a little bit too to get your thoughts on it. But the, the news on Kyle Hendricks does not sound like he is going to... It does not start again this year for the Cubs. Uh, at least there, you know, there's not really a rush to do so. Um, but 
you're going to need people to pitch these innings. And, you know, again, like I, I think we talked about this with uh, Drew Smiley as well, who has that mutual option. Um, Miley's contract is different, but, you know, he he is an effective pitcher at what he does when he's able to stay healthy. And if the Cubs are interested in keeping him around next year for uh, starting pitching depth and just, you know, having those those options, it's, you know, possible that that's something they look at and, and you'd get uh, a look at him in this last month and a half or so. Yeah, with Kyle, that's extremely discouraging, man. Um, I really don't know if you can count on Kyle to give you consistent innings next year. Uh, that sucks. And that's not even that's that's not even saying, oh, just throw Kyle towards the back of the rotation. I don't even know if you can count on him right now for that. This is a significant yeah. injury, Corey. He's been dealing with this for the majority of the season. So you may have to go into the offseason budgeting that whatever you get from Kyle is a luxury. That is a dramatic, dramatic disappointment it's not his fault of course not saying oh i'm disappointing kyle it's a disappointment in that in my mind i i kind of just projected he would be a consistent staple all the way through his contract so it will be challenging you have of course to leave the possibility open for kyle to pitch next season but you have to balance with the uncertainty and what you go out and do from a free agent point of view to to make sure that if Kyle can't pitch and he can't pitch effectively, then you're prepared for that. I think we all have to go into this. We all have to go into this offseason, kind of prepared that Kyle is not going to be a significant contributor. That's I'm. It's weird to even say that, but I, I am like deathly scared of this injury right now. Yeah. So the update, uh, I think from Wednesday morning, he had gotten. You know, we had heard of this earlier in the week, and then I think they spoke on the results of the MRI, just showing some inflammation still in there. Uh, it's getting better, but you know, they they need to rest him. And uh, David Ross said, you know, that they'll reassess in about a week and and see where he's at. But you know, you do the timing on that, right? It's August tenth. If they wait another week. And then he would have to begin a throwing program, make, you know, multiple rehab starts. The timing just doesn't really work out. And that would all be, you know, kind of maybe not rushing it, but doing it on the quickest timeline possible, which doesn't seem necessary, right? Like my thought would be just shut him down. Like what is yeah, the point but of mentally, trying this, right? Mentally though, mentally that's important for the pitcher to come back. Sure. Right? Yeah. So there's value in him pitching. So, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with you. I mean, I think that you will obviously look to get him healthy and have him be part of your pitching plans. I would say the thing that I am sure of, though, is you cannot count on him. And I'm not saying he couldn't do it, right? Uh, you're likely not going to find people who have been more supportive uh, and believers of Kyle Hendricks throughout his career than Brendan and I, so don't take this the wrong way. He could do it, but you cannot build a team for 2023 and count on him to be a top contributor in your rotation. You just can't do it. His performance is going to be a luxury next season if you can turn it around. Uh, That's that's a shaky realization for me. Well, and even, I mean, you know, and just the the sort of straight up truth, even if he, uh, you know, you weren't thinking about this injury and him having to work back from that, uh, even the performance in 2022, I'm not sure you'd be able to go into 2023 and think that, right? Like as it stands right now, he's got a 4.8 ERA, you know, and a FIP that's really close to that. There's a lot of uncertainty there, Corey. Yeah. So I, you know, again, like, can he do it? Absolutely. He's, he's very talented and very smart and the exact kind of type of person that you want working with this infrastructure to figure out what can I do, what pitches can I add, what can I change, things like that to, you know, be more effective and, and, and make the adjustments that I need to make to get better results. But if, if you're building a team that you have any aim on being competitive, uh, you, you cannot count on him to be one of the significant arms in that rotation. You just can't yeah. do it. It would be irresponsible to do it. I, I, I'm i blanking on the quote, but I swear Theo said something. Yeah, I know what you're thinking of because I'm, blank, I'm blanking on it I don't remember too. what he was talking about because I'm only it thinking was in the of context of the trade. It was on the context of the trade deadline, right? Like 2018, I believe. Something like that. But he yeah. he was talking about something and, and like the, the almost the exact quote was like, we would be stupid 
to count on this, right? Like, we'd love to have this happen, but it, it would be, like, irresponsible and stupid for right. us to act what as was though it for? was a certainty it was going to happen. I know. We're, uh, was it Chris we're doing. I, dude, I don't know. We're doing this live. I would have looked it up beforehand, um, but I, I know he said something like that, and that's how I feel about Hendricks, right? Like, you're, you're obviously going to have him around and hope that he can be a part of that, and boy, would that be a nice addition to whatever rotation the Cubs build, but you can't count on it. Yeah, I'm like stuck on that Theo quote. So that's, I mean, that's where we are. So going into the offseason, they got to go out and make moves to bolster the starting rotation. Now they have several options internally. We're going to have hopefully Caleb Killian come up in the next few weeks here. Hopefully uh, recent addition Hayden Wisniewski gets an opportunity. Those are two guys that can complement Stroman, Steele, uh, uh, Thompson, those are five pitchers right there. Adrian Sampson is still under team control. That's six guys. And then the thinking is you go out, you make a nice splash, whether it be through free agency, although right now I'm kind of not feeling that's a possibility, although Shamanea is a free agent. Jameson Tyone is a free agent. So there's guys on the market that are interesting, but uh, you know they're going to have to go out and think. I think make a splash, and that might be in the form of, of a trade. This is all to say, that they have the depth to sustain Kyle's injury. Just as a fan, mentally, I'm preparing myself to. It, it's it's bizarre to say, Corey. Like I like Kyle is kind of like an afterthought right now. It kind of has to be an afterthought. Yeah, I mean that's just unfortunately uh, where we are. So before we preview this, uh, you know, interesting series coming up with the Cincinnati Reds. Of course, the the schedule has a game on Thursday in Iowa, and then two games over the weekend in Cincinnati, uh, with an off day on Friday. Um, I did, you know, you have not been on uh, any of the CHGO Cubs shows since the Cubs signed Fran Mil Reyes, so I wanted to get your thoughts on That's that signing. Guy. Obviously, he has a nice game on Wednesday, uh, going two for four there, and then he also had an RBI in the game on Tuesday uh, in that seventh inning singles parade that the Cubs had. Uh, thoughts on that? I, you know, I mean, I, I, I think it's uh, certainly something worth exploring, but anything you're particularly interested there? He's a massive person, man. The the first time I saw him, I'm like, is is this Framo uh, uh, Reyes? This 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 guy is a complete powerhouse. And you, I mean, you got you and Luke made fun of the batting practice stuff, but <laughs> I mean, I kind of like the batting practice stuff. I think I think that's fun. I think it does kind of tell you just like their natural raw power. So in 2019, he hit 37 home runs. Uh, 2021, just last season, hit 30 home runs. Even during that make believe COVID season, uh, he had nine home runs and 241 plate appearances. So the, the power's there. This year, for whatever reason, the strikeouts and the whiff rate was way too much. And Cleveland, being kind of in that playoff picture, just couldn't afford that risk. This season, his whiff rate is uh, 36%. It's actually similar to what it was in 2020. And honestly, it's not that far off from 2019 when it was 35%. It's just the whiffs have been too much with the lack of relative power nine home runs in 284 plate appearances so i don't know why i don't know why the power hasn't been up to his recent standards although it's still pretty high uh but i'm into the idea like really into this idea he's under team control relatively cheap he also has two options Corey. um you know, I don't know if that's ever in the plans, given their depth and 40-man issues or whatever you want to deal with that, but that is a possibility, and I think it's 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 interesting. I'm into the idea. Uh, I figured out the quote. You did. So I'm, I'm you. also into the idea of Fran Mil Reyes. I, I think yeah. it's a good But you were just ignoring me trying to find the quote. I get it. Yes. I, yeah. I No, I was listening, but I needed okay. to find this quote. It was going to eat me up inside if I didn't find All it. All right, let's hear it. Uh, do you want to take one more guess as to who Theo Epstein was talking about when he said we were close on the exact quote, but the sentiment was correct? Uh, was the year? Give me a one hand. Was the year correct? Twenty eighteen. Yes, it was. Uh, but, 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 was it in the context of the infield? That's my no. last. No, I don't know the no. bullpen. Who, what, what was it? Uh, so here is here. Here are the quotes. 
you can't be overly reliant on somebody who hasn't been able to be healthy and perform this year. At the same time, you track the rehab closely because, you, because you've got to anticipate what he might be able to give you. Sunday was his best day in a long time. He threw very well and felt pretty good. You factor it in, but if you put yourself in a position to overly rely on something that hasn't been dependable to this point and it doesn't come through, it's probably more on you than the fates. Who was that? You Darvish. Was it you Darvish? He was Corey? talking about you Darvish. Well, look look yeah. at look at that comparison. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. And I you know, I didn't remember that it was also a pitcher. Uh, but it's, you know, it's a similar sentiment. <laughs> the situations are sentiment. obviously vastly different. But I knew I remembered him saying something like that, and that's how I feel about Kyle Hendricks. It's like this, sa- I mean, it's not the same exact situation, but it's very similar with the injury trajectory. It's interesting that I remembered it as him saying, we'd be stupid too. But the, 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 po- the, the quote I was really referencing is, uh, if it doesn't come through, it's probably more on you than the fates. And that's that's how I feel about Kyle Hendricks right now, right? Yeah. Like you, you can hope he's there, you can track it, you can follow it, and you can believe even that he's going to be able to contribute in a meaningful way. But you can't depend on it. And if nope. you do, and it doesn't work, you're kind of stupid. That's on you. In this case, it would be Jed Hoyer and not Theo Epstein. Um, I don't think. No offense to Jed, but I don't think. Theo's, he has such a way with words. That's such he a does. good quote. He's a wordsmith. Isn't his <laughs> yeah. family, like his twin brother's a, a novelist or a writer or something like that? So it's in the genes. I, that I don't know, but I, I, it's just such a good quote. And uh, I, I don't know that Jed would have such an eloquent way of no, I don't uh, think so. phrasing that. But we'll see if they make similar decisions or not or otherwise. But anyway, we can move on to getting ready for this series with the Reds. Thursday is the Field of Dreams game, Corey. 6.15 p.m. We have Smiley pitching for the Cubs. 4-6, and six, a 3.97 ERA. Lodolo for Cincinnati. He's 3-3, three and three, a 4.4 ERA. Pat Hughes will be calling that game. Just another reminder. Looking forward to that. Introduction. What a matchup for Fox, that pitching I know. matchup. <laughs> Look at that. Congratulations, everybody. Well, that's what you get. Um, jerseys will be cool, though. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, off day Friday. Kind of weird, but uh, travel day. Back to Cincinnati. Adrian Sampson pitching for the Cubs that Saturday, 5.40 p.m. start time. He's 0-3 with a 3.83 ERA. He'll be facing Ashcraft for the Reds, who is 5-2, a 3.94 ERA. Then to finish off this three-game set. Early afternoon starts Sunday, 12.40 p.m. Done on the mound for the Reds. He's 0-1, a 5.79 ERA. Keegan getting the ball this day. He's 9-5, a 3.36 ERA. If you're into the standings at the bottom of the division, yeah, draft pick who is standings, it? if you will, who is not, right? We're going to use this. Uh, the Reds are 44 and, four, and 66. The Cubs are 45 and 65. So the Cubs are one game back of... Of the higher draft pick, if you want to call it that. So, you know, cub however you want, as Luke will say. But this series, it's, you got to have fun, I guess, with the Field of Dreams game. But if you want to be more serious with it, uh, how they get Fran Mill in the lineup, I'm very curious about Zach McKinstry. I, I like his profile. I'm not confident he's going to be a guy, but I'm interested Nonetheless, I'm very, very interested in what they do with Wisdom. If he continues to get more looks at first base, Christopher Morell, is he going to play center field more because Ortega has been doing bad? Is he going to go to third base in order to give uh, Wisdom more chances at first base? And I'll be monitoring the AAA roster. Frank is on the AAA roster. Uh, how is Mervis doing? I'm, I'm dialed in on that first base situation. So there's still a lot going on, even though uh, this series is kind of a reminder that uh it's two last place teams yeah so uh on the game on thursday night that game is on fox if you were looking to watch that uh that is the place to watch the field of dreams game uh and yeah i mean for me over the course of these three games like just please stop letting ortega bat lead off it's that's just not a good use of time um don't do that anymore 
So that's really what I'm looking for. Same stuff. I mean, who's playing where? Uh, would love to see, you know, one of the guys in Fran Mill or uh, Zach McKinstry, you know, really kind of catch fire and make things interesting as we head into the offseason here. Uh, you know, so that all obviously starts now. And, you know, just hoping tomorrow, like, you know, the game on Thursday night is fun, right? Like, I, you know, I wish that this was a, a situation where both of the teams were better and this was a hotly contested matchup or something like that. You know, that's okay. It's not. Uh, but, you know, it's a cool presentation, unique, a little bit different, obviously, than what we're watching on a daily basis. So hopefully something to have fun with. Uh, but yeah, that's, I think, what Brendan and I have for you as a reminder later on Thursday at 5.30 Central Time or thereabouts. Luke and Cody will have your pregame show for the CHGO Cubs channel on YouTube, and they will be joined by our guy, Ryan Herrera, who will be coming to you live not from beautiful historic Ridley Field, but is it beautiful historic Iowa? I don't know. It's historic, Maybe. and it is beautiful. It yeah, is, it's all totally right. beautiful. We can, yeah, yeah, sure. Why the not? beautiful historic Field of Dreams site in yeah. Iowa. Our guy Ryan Herrera will be there live. They'll have post game for you as well. Brendan and I will be back with you on Sunday after the Cubs finish up this three-game series with the Reds. Remember, both teams off traveling to Cincinnati on Friday. As always, thank you for your support of CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast, of course, sponsored by PointsBet. Use that code CHGO when you sign up. We will talk to you again soon, and as always, go Cubs.